Hello, and welcome to the Grove Church Podcast. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and we are so glad that you're joining us. Whether you are a member and you're just catching up on a sermon that you missed or you're someone who's brand new, we are really glad that you are joining us. And if you are new in some way, and I know that a lot of people will do that, will listen to sermons first before they visit, I want you to know that we would love to meet you at any point. You can join us live in our services on Sunday, 9 and 1030, or our streaming service at 1030. Either way, we would love to be able to get to know you. And regardless of why you are here uh, listening to this sermon today, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, good morning. Hey, if you're new, I'm Charlie, uh, the lead pastor here. I'm really glad all of you are here, especially if you're new, and we would love to know that you're here. You fill out a card, fill out a card online. We'd just love to talk to you. Any way that we can help you, we would love to be able to do that if you're joining us online. Really glad that you are here as well. Um, Start a new series today. Uh, before we fully get into that, I just like I just you know I I just really been in my feels, my feelings a lot lately. Um, as a dad, really, I've got three daughters. So you don't know, I've got my oldest, oldest daughter, Maylie. She's twenty five, and she just graduated with her masters uh, from John Brown, which we're incredibly proud of. And she's got a job, and we're excited about that. And we have Lauren, our middle daughter. She's twenty two. She just graduated with the U of A. And in the same college as K.J. Jefferson, which is an Arkansas football player, which was hilarious. It was just hilarious. We're sitting there in there, and I knew it because she had told me, and I could see that he was about to be next anyway. And and you can just see it build, and it was like in the person's like, K.J. Jefferson. And it was like, ooh, ooh, wah, ah, ah, ah. And you could just tell it's kind of spread, like no, like from, from it, and to a few people that recognize it immediately, to the whole place just completely erupts. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. So, and then my youngest daughter, Layla, she just finished fifth grade. And so this has been a lot of, a lot of transition lately. I mean, this is my uh, youngest daughter. is her first year in middle school. Um, our middle daughter, Lauren, she actually just graduated and she's, uh, she's moving. She's got a job in Kansas City. So she's going to be moving um, at the end of this month. And then Maylee's now, she's, she's got a job. She's completely on her own. It just kind of, it just, ha- it just, it just kind of, it just kind of has, it just kind of has me right now. And just thinking about how, uh, how how big they are, and kind of just how proud I am of all of them, and how great it it is being their dad. I've been a dad now for twenty five and a half years, and even our youngest. You know, we were at Walmart the other day, and we were walking down the toy aisle, mostly out of nostalgia from her perspective. Dad, you remember when I used to like stuff like this? Now I remember Dad when I used to like stuff like this. Now the shopping that she does not in the toy aisle with Dad anymore. It's it's online with with her mom as they're trying to my my, my room in my room it just looks like a kid's room I'm like you are a kid I, I it just and and I, I've been been thinking I've, I've been thinking you know it's how old dads get I guess I'm just they're going through all these new seasons and I just I and and my brain my heart goes back to the day that I first got to meet them. Um, when they were, when, you know, with, with our oldest two, when they were brand new born and we got to meet Layla, she's, if you don't know, she's, we, we adopted her. We got to meet her when she was four days old and, and just how special it has been and continues to be, to be able to be their dad and to play all of these different roles from just, you know, gentle protector to, you know, sometimes herder, right? Disciplinarian friend, and now kind of moving to kind of this 
strong um, advisor, safety net, kind of, you know, trainer of how to be independent. We were having this conversation the other day. It's like, man, I know you're going to, is, is there, as they're feeling all this nervousness and anxiety about what's next. I'm like, listen, we're not kicking you out. I've got you. I've got you. This is just the last, one of the last things I need to teach you. I need to teach you how to be independent. And just know that we've got you and that we love you and, and, and the connection that you have with us. And, and just, just having just a lot of just kind of deep level conversations. And I bring this up in part because it's just in front of my mind and I'm in my feels and I'm this close to crying almost, almost all the time. And not because I'm sad, but just, I'm, just so, I'm just so proud of them and I love them. And I'll bring this up from time to time on here or if I'm giving talks other places. There's certain contexts where, where people kind of struggle. There's places where people struggle, they just kind of get into this kind of performance deal that my relationship with God really depends on my performance. And so when, when, I, when I'm around people who kind of get into that, that they think that somehow the, God's care or love for me is based on what I do or, or not doing bad things or whatever, I like to tell stories about me as a dad. And I talk about how much I love my kids. And then I remind everybody. This is the primary imagery that, that God used, that Jesus used in the New Testament to describe what his relationship with God was like. And really what our relationship with God is like. It's like, it's like a father. And we taught us how to pray. Our father who is in heaven, right? And all throughout the scripture, God is referred to as a father. So I like to ask this rhetorical question. And I love my daughters a lot. Do you think God loves you more or less than that? Because I think sometimes we get a little sideways. We get a little uncertain about how it is we're supposed to relate to God. And how does God relate to us? What does God think about me? What does God think about us? What does, what does God want me to think about him? And how are we supposed to relate when really like the New Testament is full of this kind of father imagery, which is meant to kind of help us solidify a position of what, of what God is supposed to be for us. And you take that and you blend it with what, what I would say the Old Testament's primary imagery to describe our relationship with God, really more Lord imagery. You put that together, God is, God is like a ruler, but he's also like a dad. And, and, and it's really not a but. It's like God is a ruler and he's like a dad. It's, it's not, they, they don't contradict each other. We put these two things together and it helps me to understand what it is that God wants from me and how he thinks of me and how I'm supposed to think about him. Because I think sometimes, again, we're, we're paralyzed. We're paralyzed between two completely different images of what we think God is like. Is God just a ruler and I should be scared of him? Or is he a dad? And what we mean by dad is like pushover dad, right? You may have had, you may have been, you may have had a tough dad, or you may be tough dad, or you may be like me. You may be, you may be pushover dad. I'm pushover dad. I'm pushover dad, right? Every Wednesday there for most of the spring, Layla had this like little running club after school and I would go pick her up and I would pick her up. And she's like, oh, dad, dad, I've got a craving. I got a craving. Like what is, what is the nature of this craving? Oh, I won't know till I see it. I won't know till I see it. Well, where, where do we have to go to see it? I don't know. Grocery store, candy aisle of a gas station somewhere. I got this craving. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm pushover, right? If I could, if I could make my 11 year old daughter happy for exactly two dollars worth of candy, and we can consume it before we get home and mom sees, we're just we're doing we're doing great, right? But we can put these ideas together: a loving, compassionate heart of a father, and and an understanding of the greatness and the power that comes from being the Lord then we can have a full understanding of kind of how it is we need to relate to God because not only does it just kind of hurt our spiritual development and our mental understanding of who God is, but it keeps us, I think it paralyzes a lot of us when it comes to our prayer life. What does that even mean? What does it even mean to pray? And how am I even supposed to do this? And so what we're going to do over the next four weeks, we're going to be working our way. We're just going to look at four different Psalms. Mark and I will over the next four weeks. And we're going to kind of work our way through some different attitudes that are, that are shown by the authors to, to God as they're kind of pouring out their heart to God in these songs. And in the meantime, by the time we're done, we're also, I believe, going to have a really good framework for what I think a really healthy prayer life can look like. And I was taught this acronym years and years ago, and I want to share it with you. And it's an acronym kind of for these four different aspects of prayer that I think also the, the, the order is particular too. And, and we'll put the acronym up here. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. It spells acts. It makes a word. It's a really cool acronym. And you look at some of those words. Some of those words, you immediately know what they mean, Right? Some of them you look at, I would never use that word. Clearly, they chose that word so they can make a cool acronym out of it, right? Supplication, you're not using that word in your real life. But you can't say asking for stuff. Can't say that because yeah, it's not going to be acta, right? I mean, you got you to you 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 make it a word. So you got to use fancy words from time to time. But you put these four ideas together, and I think it can really help us kind of have a a, a more holistic view of kind of what it is when I'm pouring out my heart to God, what, what do I need to be doing? And the first one, adoration, a, a word we probably more likely would use would be praise or worship, where I'm, I am telling God how good and great I think that he is. And that's different than Thanksgiving. This is going to be really important, not only for today, but in a couple of weeks when Mark shares that with us too. Thanking God for something that he has done specifically for you is different than a recognition of just who he is in and of himself is good. And to, and to praise him, just like, man, it's really cool how you are like that. I really love that you are like this. Not based on what you've done for me, but just based on who you are, which is what we're going to talk about today. And then after that, you know, there's confession, which is, and, and, and I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way I've damaged our relationship. I'm sorry for the, the, the sin and the, and the way I know that that way that that affects you and our relationship. And I'm sorry for that. And you have done a lot of incredible things to me. And I'm thankful. I want to thank you for that. And once we have understood that, once we really kind of are, have this connection with God where we're like, I, I understand who you are and I love you for who you are. And I want to repair the relationship. And I want to thank you for what you've already done. It's in and out of that that we come and say, and I need your help here a little bit. Because I think that really does. And again, I think as, can, as, as if that's new or if it seems unusual, it's really not. I mean, you don't want a relationship with a kid or if you're a kid, it's not the kind of relationship you want to have with your parent where you view them somehow as like an ATM of some sort. Like if all there was in my relationship with Layla was 
the one who was willing to go to the corner grocery store and the corner gas station to, to buy candy, the one who will always buy the toy or whatever, that's not a relationship. I want her to know that I am a good dad who wants to give her things, but I want her to love me for who I am. And if she hurts me, I want her, I want her to repair that, and I want her to have a heart of thankfulness, and it is then out of that relationship that a good dad who gives her good things happens. And so you put these four things together, and I think it not only does it provide a good framework for a good, healthy prayer life, but I think it can also help us to kind of understand big picture how it is that we need to relate with God. So we'll start today with adoration and and the idea of praise. And we're going to start today. The psalm we're going to be looking at today is in Psalm 145. Psalm 145, and it's just, just, just a pouring out of heart to just how awesome and incredible God is. And we'll end up going through the whole thing, but right now we'll look at the first three verses. Psalm 145, verses 1 to 3. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. There's a phrase that's used there a couple of times that you'll see all throughout the Psalms. And you'll really, you'll see all throughout the, uh, the Bible as people are pouring out their heart or praise or worship to God. And this idea of praising the name of God. I will praise the na- your name, O Lord, forever and ever. I will extol it. I will worship it. I, your, your name is great. You'll see that a lot. Your name is great. Your name is the highest name. It is the greatest name. And we, and we see this as kind of repeated. And so that's where I want us to start. It's where the psalm starts. Where It's where a lot of the worshipful psalms start with this idea of praising the name of God. And that's where I want us to start. As we think about what it means to be people who are have adoration, who are praising God, who are worshiping God, that are starting with, at the core of our relationship with God, a praise and worship of Him is praising His name. Now, in our culture, that means a little bit less to us. When we think about names and we're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna name my kid. Right? More times than not, a lot of times, it's like the name has some sentimental attachment for you. Like a a relative, a friend, I want to name them after someone. Or sometimes, right? It's just, it's, it's it's the beauty of the name. Or maybe you do. Maybe you have looked up the meaning of the name. And you like, there's some significance of it to you, but you don't really believe that you're like manifesting characteristics into the child. I'm going to name you beautiful and therefore you will be beautiful. I'm going to name you smart and so you're going to be smart. I mean, like, it was like, I mean, can't do it, just a baby. I don't, I don't, I I just met this baby. I don't know know who this, I don't know who this baby is going to be. We just met, right? We don't, we don't think of names like that, but all throughout, the Bible, you'll see God changing someone's name. He did it for Simon. He said, Simon, you're going to be Peter. He did it for Saul. So, hey, now you're going to be Paul. He did it to Abram, called him Abraham. He did it for uh, Jacob, named him Israel. All of these Old Testament and New Testament characters will get these different names, and the name has meaning. It's like, and when I give you this name, this is who you are. Now, my name, my name, you know, my birth name, Charles, I mean, it doesn't mean anything. 
right? I mean, so that's not, that's not, what's not named? I was named after my granddad. It's not because of its me. I'll take it back. Take it back. My name does mean something. Charles means strong and manly. And, and you, should, you should write that down. You should write that down. No, I mean, it looked like they were trying to manifest strength and manhood into me by naming me that. But that's the way um, the Jewish culture would have, would have thought of names. And so we want to praise the name of God. And when we are praising the name of God, we are praising him and his essence of who he is. Well, what's, what's, what's God's name? God doesn't have a name. God doesn't have a name. That's weird. God doesn't have a name. What's the name? God. It's like asking what your mom's name is. What's, mom, what's your mom's name? I don't know. Mom? What's, what's, what's your dad's name? Dad? What's your teacher's first name? I don't know. Miss? I, I mean, it's like I, they, don't, they, don't, they don't have first names, right? They don't have names. They just are their dad, their mom, their teacher. God doesn't have a name. What's God's name? Jim? Right? And, and, and it's like, what does, it, what does it even mean for God to have a name? But there's actually a moment where Moses, if you know who Moses is, Moses is a guy that was called by God in the wilderness to be the one that was going to go to Egypt and to rescue uh, the, the Israelite people from slavery. He actually grew up in Pharaoh's house through a really crazy story and is exiled for a murder he commits, which is another crazy story. God calls him in the wilderness. Another, It's like a series of crazy stories. But ultimately, he's being sent by God to go back to tell the Pharaoh, kind of the leader of Egypt, to, to release, these, release his people from slavery. And he goes and he looks, he's talking to God and he says, who am I supposed to say sent me? What is your, what is your name? And again, what are you, again, what are you singing? My name's Steve. You can, I mean, I'm like Stephen, but you can call me Steve. I mean, like what, what, like what, he doesn't have a name like, so he's not like that. He's not like that. And when he says, here, here's what you tell him. You tell him, I am who I am. You tell him. You tell him that's what he's saying. You tell him I am sent you. Now, I'm about to expose my age here a little bit. I'm always a little confused by that. God calls himself I am what I am because it gave off Popeye vibes to me. Now, if you're young, I've just completely just made myself completely and totally irrelevant to you. It is a cartoon character, ate spinach, got strong, beat up villains, had a phrase, I am what I am, what he would say. And this is what, this is what, this is what God is saying. You tell him, I am. You tell him I sent you, you say, who sent you? You say, I am. I'm the one, the one, I am. And we actually have some expressions out there that I think that we use now that really do capture the essence of this. Popeye's I am what I am is like, hey, who, what, what, what you got is what, what you see is what you get. That's not what this means. I don't know if you ever heard this expression. You see it a lot in sports where someone who is claiming to be the best or you think someone that you are rooting for is the best. They'll say things like, I am him. You know who he is? He is him. And when you say an expression like that, oh, he thinks he's him. He thinks he's the one. He thinks there's all these people out here playing basketball and they're okay at it. And do not think that for one minute I'm on that level. I'm him. I'm not just some baseball player. I'm not just some quarterback. I'm him. And whatever your field of expertise is, I'm the one. I am. And so when you go and you talk to Pharaoh, 
about who is sending. You make sure that he understands that it is not some sun god, earth god, moon god, water god, sky god. I'm not on that level. I'm not one of them. I am. I'm him. And so I say to you, who is God? I mean, it's very common, at least when you're younger, old man, cloud, beard, right? An elevated human of some type, a human with superpowers, uh, a really, a really, a really, the idealistic person with superpowers. No, no. He, he, he is. He is. And you spend some time just meditating on what could God have possibly meant by using that to to, to name himself. And you'll get a real picture of greatness, otherness, bigness. And if you want to, Google is your friend and this kind of thing. You can just Google this idea, names of God, and you'll see it'll give you these references for all these different names that God has given himself over time. As we say, I am the one who is called, and it's the God who delivers, the God who sees, the God who cares, the God who saves, the God that is the shepherd. And that all of these names, like he's, got his, he's got his name name here, right? And then all these things, he's, these are the things that I'm called because this is in my essence who I am. And we want to praise those things. Again, we'll talk later about how these incredible characteristics manifest themselves in our life. But right now, it's just, it's incredible who he is. Let's continue here, verse 4 of Psalm 145. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Now, again, we're trying to draw this line between praise, adoration, and thanksgiving, just thanking God for what he's done. But here, the psalmist brings up, right, what God is that. I I, I think about your works, I'm a little bit blown away. And again, he's not thanking him specifically for anything that has happened to him. I I just think about all the things that you've done, and I'm actually just blown away by what that represents about who you are. If I see these things from you, it is incredible then to think about who you are. And I think that is an important thing. Again, we're going to get to the point to where we want to cultivate a thankful heart and how what God has done has helped us specifically. But when we think about what he's, what he's done, I want us to be people who are praising him because what, of what is reflected in what he does. When I see what God has done and I see a beautiful creation, I see a, a, an overwhelming amount of beauty and power and majesty, I can very easily say, God, thank you for that beautiful mountain. Thank you for this beautiful landscape. Thank you that I get to see it. Sure, sure, sure. That's great. But there's a moment where we need to take a step back and say, I'm actually blown away by your creativity, by your beauty, by the the power that you must have to create this. 
and then at the same time can cre- can create eyes that can perceive all of that beauty. I'm overwhelmed by what I see, but I'm even more so overwhelmed by what this means about who you are. Because I'm just, I'm just catching a glimpse of one little section, of one little part, of one little world, of one little solar system, and one galaxy. It, and I think about it, and I think about how, how incredible and big you must be. And then I see your goodness and your compassion and your justice and your love. And of course, again, I'm thankful for how it is applied to me. But when I see it over and over and over again in the lives of people, I want to just take a minute and say, I'm, in, I'm, I'm incredibly thankful because this, this clearly is who you are, which is different than something that you did. It's different to be thanked for buying your, my goodness, I don't want to do the math here, 100th bag of gummy candy that I've bought for this kid in the 11 years of her life. 100, not 11 years, it's probably over. I have to take the over. But anyways, it's one thing to be thanked for that, which she does. It's another thing when she says, Dad, I'm so glad. I'm so thankful. You're so, you're, you're so nice. I love you so much. And that's different. And that's where we want our hearts to be right now. We think about the things that he's done. We think about the things that he's doing. And we take a moment to kind of take that extra step to say, wow, and this reflects who you are. So we praise him for his name. And then we think about the things that he's done and go to that next level and think about the character that that must reflect. And now we're going to read the rest of it. We got quite a few verses here, but I think it's important. I would rather I would rather read this whole psalm and let you just get a picture and a glimpse of 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 his heart that he's pouring out to God, even if that costs, you know, 45 seconds to a minute of me talking. I'd rather him talk. One Psalm 145 starting in verse um 8. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. 
Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. So here he is, he's just pouring out his heart. He just keeps thinking about what God has done. He keeps thinking about who God is and just over and over again, all of these different ideas and thoughts come to his mind about how incredible and awesome this God is. And as, I th- and as I've been reflecting and thinking about this psalm and just kind of what it means to really understand and praise and worship God, I see here in this passage, and I see so much in Scripture as we're talking about who God is, there's, there's, there's two characteristics that I think really go together really well that I think help encapsulate what it really means for us to worship and appreciate and praise who God is. We praise him for his name. We think about his character that's reflected behind what he does. And we want to be people who praise his goodness and his greatness. While while those words sound very similar and they seem very similar, it really reflects two very different things. Something is great. It is big. It is powerful. Something that is good. It is kind and loving. And we can imagine something that is great but not good. Something that has a whole lot of power but isn't good. And the first, the first animal that came to my mind, right, as I was thinking about this was a shark. But shark, sharks are a little off limits in my house, right? But apparently in my house with the kids, sharks get a bad rap. You know, we don't talk about shark-infested waters. That's mean. They're not, they're, not, they're not mean. They're not shark-infested waters. You know why? You know why it's not shark-infested waters? This is what I get to hear in my house all the time. It's their home. It's people-infested waters. Right? You're in their home. Sharks aren't mean. You're more likely, like, you're more likely to die by a vending machine falling on your head or whatever. Right? These, these, these are the things we talk about. We're always, we're always very pro-shark family. But still, it is great. But it is not good. A lion, great, not good. A tiger, great, not good. And what do we do with something that is great but not good? We fear it. I'm scared. And some of us, that's where we are with God. I I know that God is great, but I, I struggle to believe that he's good. And so I'm scared. I keep my distance. I'm afraid that at any moment he's going to hurt me in some way. And so I keep my distance. But we can also imagine some, something or someone that is good, but not great. A baby, for instance. Baby is good. Babies are sweet, and you love to snuggle them, and they're just amazing, but they're not great. You don't worship them. You take care of them. You protect them. But you want to talk about someone that is both great, has an overwhelming amount of power, and in their heart is good? That is the God that we worship. I don't know how many of you are familiar with... um, the Chronicles of Narnia, or specifically the one of the books of that um, book series, uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. That was a book series. It's been out for a long time. C.S. Lewis. They made uh, some Disney movie adaptations of some of them. And um, there's this lion character in them that is meant is meant to represent Jesus. Very, very. It's very. It's very. It's pretty blatant. That, and these kids, they get to meet the lion for the first time, and they're talking to some people in, in this lion's kingdom. He's this lion is a king. And they ask. They're kind of a little nervous. There's a lion. And they say, is, is, is he safe? Is he safe? 
And they kind of laugh a little bit. <laughs> of course he is not safe. He is a lion. But he is good. And so I think somewhere there lies this balance of what, what our heart would look like if we were really connecting with who the God of the universe is. He is great. And so I respect him. He's good, but I trust him. He's good, so I know that he loves me. He's not the pushover dad, but he's also not some angry God out there waiting to strike you down. He is an incredibly awesome, powerful God that I would not cross. I would not. But I can trust in his love. And when we can put these two ideas together, we can approach him with confidence. We can then, I, I recognize how great he is. I recognize how good he is. And the more I think about that and I pour my heart out, then I recognize, well, I got some things I need to confess. If you are truly this great and this good, I am, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous that I've offended you. And I'm really sorry that I've hurt you because you are both great and good. And I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for the, for the things that you've done, which show your great power. And I thank you for the way that you love me because you are so good. And because you are so good and because you are so great, I can bring all of my concerns before you. And I know that you have the power to do something about it. And you care enough to hear and act. And so I pour my heart out to the good and great God. And I know that he hears. And so this is the God that we worship. So let us worship him fully today. So as we sing, if you stay here at your seats, that's great. But let your heart pour out in praise and adoration of who God is. But you can also go to the back where communion is available. There's prayer candles. There's a cross where you can pray and worship and pour out your heart to a God that is both great and good. Let's pray. Thanks again for joining us on our sermon podcast. And you can learn more about us at thegrovechurch.org. And if you go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect, there's a form you could fill out. Just let us know that you've been listening. And if you want to dig deeper on some of these topics that we cover in our sermon podcast or just in other issues of dealing with culture or theology, those kinds of things, uh, you can check out our Cultivate podcast. It's on the same feed, um, however you found this particular podcast. So again, this is Charlie, the lead pastor at The Grove, and thank you so much for joining us.